God, this morning we just want to say we love you. We thank you. We thank you, God, for the joy that we feel that comes just not out of a feeling of warm, mushy fuzziness, but a feeling of knowing that you, the creator of the heavens and the earth, want to have a relationship with us. Oh, God, this morning, as we come, your people, and as we praise you and as we glorify and as we worship you, Lord, we just want you to know that we love you. We want you to know that if there's anything that's stopping us from having a relationship with you, would you help us to identify that so that we can surrender it over to you? Lord, thank you for all that you do. You give us this day. You give us this church. You give us the opportunity to hear testimonies this morning of people that have decided to follow you. God, we thank you for fellowship that we get one with another. Thank you that our kids are learning about you. Thank you for the Bible. Thank you for this great community. Our hearts are full this morning, Lord. Lord, we pray that as we gather, would you speak to us, God? Would you have your way in our lives? Lord, would we be able to pause long enough to hear your clear, still, small voice and respond? Oh God, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, I want to talk to you just for a few moments about what it means uh, to surrender. Surrender, as I say that word, often many of us, uh, different ideas come up into our mind of what it means. And you know why? I think what often happens is from the time we're born, we're learnt and told that you should never surrender. Never surrender. Because surrender means loss. Surrender means that we're, uh, we're not going ahead Often surrender means weakness. It's a sign of weakness. It symbolises defeat. Surrender on the battlefield means that the end is near. You have to give up humiliatingly and death is probable. Our Anzacs, they're heroes, aren't they? Because they never surrendered. Even when their life was at stake. And for us, we kind of think, surrender? Never. Never. Uh, if you're into sport or footy or cricket, you know that to surrender is humiliating. That's what we've grown up to believe. I, I remember a song when I was growing up and it said uh, something, something like this. It said, and if you're lost along the road, never surrender. And if your path won't lead you home, never surrender. You know, no one can take away your right to fight and to never surrender. That's what we've been growing up with. That's what we believe. And yet, you know what? When it comes to responding to God, when it comes to responding to the God who made the heavens and the earth and the God who made you and formed you, the one and only, the one true God, the only way to come to him is through total surrender. 
so many people have come to church before and kind of felt, I'll give this a try. They kind of tried a few things and, you know, given a real good shot for a few weeks and have often left disillusioned, feeling like the church is nothing more than just another old club. There are other people that have, that have come and, and then they've found, found that, oh, look, I'll just try and give, give this a shot, see if it works for me. And they find that the music isn't to their taste or the people aren't nice enough or it's not friendly enough and they kind of think, oh, no, I won't go back there again. And the thing that many people miss is that the church, God, a relationship with the living God is not something that you just kind of add to your life. The living God asks that we come to him totally surrendered. He doesn't want a third of your life. He's not interested in three quarters of your life or even 95% of your life. To come to the living God, he wants you to give him 100% in total surrender. Many people refer to this act of surrender as dying to self or consecration or taking up your cross or naming Jesus as Lord. <laughs> Whatever word you use, it doesn't, doesn't really matter. The most important thing is that you come to Jesus totally surrendered. I want to tell you, I've never come across somebody who gave themselves 100% and said, I regret that decision. I've never found someone who said, I really surrendered everything to him. And it was a poor decision that I made. In these next few moments, you're about to hear testimonies from three people. Heather Jackerman. Great, Heather. And uh, also Miranda Way and Chad Williams. So as they come and talk about what Jesus has done in their lives, why don't you give them a big welcome. Thanks, God. Come up this way, guys. Would you like to start for us, Chad? Is that all right? Yeah. Is that okay? Yeah. Did you want to go first or not? Okay. Why don't you begin, Chad? Yeah. Oh, my life about the age of 10 at Sunday school. It wasn't until I was about 17 that I moved out of home that my story begins. I moved to Aubrey and I came to church here in Wodonga a few times, but I probably didn't try hard enough to make new friends and I soon fell away from the relationship that I did have with Jesus. He was always in the back of my mind, but I chose to ignore him and it didn't take long for my heart to harden and found sin quite acceptable. I carried on life ignoring the facts 
about Christ that deep down I did believe in. After viewing the, uh, the Mel Gibson movie, The Passion of the Christ, I felt pretty ordinary. How could I ignore Jesus and what he did for me? So early in 2005, I came back to church, met some great people, joined a small group and felt as close to Jesus that I'd ever been. Our son was born in June 2005 and I remember thanking God so much for him. We had him dedicated here in the church. At some point again, I suppose I chose to do the things that I wanted to do and it slowly drove a wedge between myself and Jesus and once again, my heart hardened to a point where I sinned and didn't batter an eyelid. I felt like a hypocrite sitting here in church, so I stopped coming. Why did I let it happen? Looking back, I suppose I just wasn't prepared to give my whole life to Jesus, which eventually that became the wedge. I came back to church a while ago through encouragement from my family. That Sunday, there was another infant dedication. I heard the promises those parents made and I realised that I had made the same promises but had broken them badly. To bring my son Zach into the equation really hit home. I was not only letting Jesus down, which over time I had learnt to ignore, I was letting my own son down. That afternoon I went home and I picked up the book The 40 Days of Purpose. I began to read and even though I'd failed so many times in having a continuous relationship with Jesus, I set about sorting those things out with the Lord and putting plans into practice to ensure my relationship only grows. He now has total control of my life and that's why I'm here today to be baptised because he's asked me to. Good morning, brothers and sisters. I'm Miranda. I remember the first time I went to church that was in 2004, when I was in my uni in China. I clearly remember that day all the brothers and sisters there welcomed me and prayed for me. I just felt so warm. From that day, I began to learn from the Bible and began to pray to God. Then I met my husband, Johnson. When he told me he was a Christian, I realized God was answering me and directing me. Johnson helped me to learn more about the Bible. I learned that God has sent his son Jesus into the world, and just because he died on the cross for my sin, I could be forgiven. All I need to do is just ask for his forgiveness and put my trust in him. I asked Jesus to be my Lord. In March this year, we came to Australia. We had prepared for the hard beginning of the new life here. We prayed to God together every night. We prayed that God could direct us and let us know his will, and then we can act properly to honor him. God did answer. He prepared everything here for us, everything, even the things we never dare, from, dare to ask from him. Everything, especially the church, the brothers and sisters here. From China to Australia, big move many difficulties and lots of challenges. I did have some hard time, which I felt it's a bit hard for me to fit in. It's a bit, a bit hard for me to find my value here as that in China. But every time when I opened the Bible, I found that God loved me so much and will continue his love forever. Every time 
when I felt puzzled, I just prayed to God, and through this, I could be encouraged and have, have the wisdom and power to face new challenges. Many friends ask me, are you afraid of the new life in Australia? That is totally new to you. No relatives or friends there. No, never and ever. I always answer confidently because I am the child of God. I know God loves me and directs me wherever I live. I believe my awesome God has arranged everything for me and I just trust in him and follow him with all my heart. Eventually, God prepares you, my dear brothers and sisters, and such a wonderful church for me. Thanks, God. Dear God, I will be baptized. I trust in Jesus. I will follow you forever. Amen. Heather's just had her tonsils out or about to? Just had them out, so she wants you to know she's going to be speaking through uh, sore throat. So let's give her a special welcome. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. Um, Tuesday this week, or the week that's just passed, I said goodbye to my tonsils. So sorry if I do sound a bit groggy still, but um, over that past week I've received the healing and strength to be here today and stand up in front of you and give you all my testimony and pretty much I'm gonna I'm gonna read because I haven't sort of memorized it yet but <laughs> bear with me guys good morning everyone I'm Heather Jackman I'm here today to share my story with you all about the journey I've been on and the reason why I'm standing here now roughly 20 years ago I started this journey as a happy thought and nine months later, everyone else saw the result of God's decision to create me. Fortunately, I was born into a Christian family and was made aware of God's existence from an early age. But it was really only as a teenager did I develop a further curiosity about my creator. Because I was not a very confident or open person during those years, I learned bits and pieces through conversations with my family that answered pretty much the questions that I had at the time. The best word to describe the sort of person that I slipped into becoming after that would be a wretch, which I've conveniently pinched from the Amazing Grace song. Um, the dictionary description for the word wretch sort of prompted my curiosity. It means a person who is very unhappy, a person who is disliked and a bit of a rascal. And that was pretty much me down to a T. So after a few bad decisions and then a few more, God decided it was about time for me to grow up instead of do my own thing. He opened some doors and pathways I chose to follow and through which was taught and learnt a few hard, very hard, but valuable lessons. Okay, breathe. <laughs> I turned to Jesus and God for help one night after realising the person I had become and the fact that I couldn't fully handle some of the things that had happened in my life. That night, I reflected on the hurts and the anger and the bad memories that were a heavy burden upon both my heart and mind. I prayed for Jesus to come into my life and for those damaging weights to be taken away from me in order to make a fresh start. Through Jesus, 
God, in answer to my prayers, showed me that he loved me and lifted the weights I carried by taking away my pain, numbing my bad memories, and then he also placed in my heart the unquestionable knowledge of his presence. He saved me. The huge changes that followed that night were not only noticed by me, but also those closest to me. I, having a different perspective and attitude towards things after that, was motivated then to start fulfilling the purposes God had for me from the beginning. I'm here now to let everyone know I'm not growing up to become a pirate anymore. (laughs) I'm here just to say that I acknowledge the sacrifice Jesus made so that I, as a confessed sinner, could be saved. I ask you all to bear witness now to how much I love and accept Jesus into my life and know that he will be with me for every step I take hereafter through both the good times and the challenging ones to come. That's it. So just sit back down. I'm going to speak just for a minute and then you'll be back. Okay. Well, isn't that wonderful to hear those great testimonies? Just in a moment, they'll be, uh, we'll, we'll witness their baptism uh, together. When it comes to surrendering and surrendering 100% of our life to Jesus, often there's some things that stop us. I mean, there's some big barriers that stop us from doing that. And as I think about that, and as you hear these three people that are saying, we want to be baptised this morning, a great question to ask is, what's stopping you from giving 100%, surrendering your life to him? Uh, The question's relevant to you if you're here for the first time. what would stop me from giving everything I have to Jesus? It's relevant to you if you have given your life to him in the past, but since then have kind of stepped back a few steps and said, look, God, you can have this, but not that. I mean, today is another day to examine your surrendering. It's also relevant to you if you've been a Christian for many, many years and you've almost got smug in your in what you know. You know, I know so much, of course I'm right with God. And maybe you've tripped into kind of religiosity where you're just going through the motions. Surrendering is still important for you. I think the thing that stops many people, two things this morning that I just think, is that we become filled with fear when it comes to the thought of surrendering. Many people don't give their lives over to Jesus in surrender because they're afraid, afraid of what will happen if I give my life to him. Many people don't know what might lie ahead and it's much safer to not surrender than to surrender because I don't know where that might take me. What might God lead me through? What might I face if I give everything over to God and surrender my life to him? We... uh, went to Movie World, Sea World and Wet n Wild and we went up some of the most uh, rides, dangerous rides and there were many times when we got to the front of the line and we had to turn round and go back down. There's just one word that stopped us from going down the ride and it was fear. And you know what I've found, especially for our kids as well, is that the rides that they were most afraid to go down 
were the ones where they couldn't see what was ahead. We made a poor decision early on at Movie World, went down a Batman sort of ride. No, it was a, a different one. Scooby-Doo ride, Scooby-Doo ride. And our poor kids, we just put them through a nightmare. We were right on top of a big room on just two little tracks going, oh, you know, we're going, this is fun, isn't it, kids? You know, and they're crying. And <laughs> From then on, if they couldn't see where we were going, they were filled with fear. What would often happen then to overcome the fear would I'd go on the ride and or Mandy would go on the ride, we'd say, oh, no, look, this is much better than the Scooby-Doo ride, you know. And we would take them through that and then their fear would come down and then they would go on it again. But fear stopped us from going on those rides. Fear of the unknown can stop people surrendering to Jesus. But like I said before, when someone has put their faith and trust in Jesus, even though they've been not sure about the future. I've never met someone who said, I wish I'd never made that decision. In fact, the opposite is most people say that was the best decision I ever made in my life. I was afraid of what the future would hold, but when I made the decision and when I gave everything over to him, it was the best decision I've ever made. Do you know what combats our fear of giving everything to Jesus? I think it's when we understand the perfect love of the Father. God loves us fully and freely. He made us and he has great plans for our lives. And when we understand that, the Bible says in 1 John 4 and verse 18 that when we understand God's love, perfect love drives out fear. When we understand that God's intentions for us are good, when we understand that the, the, the very purpose for our existence is to know God and to live a life with him, our fear is driven out and we can trust him. Do you know, if we allow our fear to stop us from surrendering, do you know what happens? Jesus will not press the issue. He'll walk on by. And your fear of surrendering may well stop you from ever having a relationship with God. How do I know this? Well, when Jesus uh, went over the lake from Galilee to a, a town called uh, the Gerasenes, he came across a, a person who was a man who was filled with demons. And he asked him what his name was. Then he said, Legion, because there are so many demons within me. There's a legion of them. And, and Jesus set the man free from his demons. And he sent them into the pigs and there's a whole herd of pigs that went running off into the lake and they drowned. And you know what it says there in Luke, Luke 8 and verse 37? It says, Then all the people of the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them. 
because they were overcome with fear. The very next part of the verse says, so he got into the boat and left. Fear can be something that stops us from surrendering everything to Jesus. He'll not force himself on you. Fear, if you will let it, will cause you to ask Jesus to go away. But trusting in God's love and that his love is perfect and that his love and his intentions for you are what you were created for will cast out that fear. The second thing that stops us from responding to God by surrendering everything to him, I think, is our inability, it seems, or our difficulty in admitting our limitations. I mean, we find it just hard to admit that we can't do everything. It's our pride. It's really our pride within us that stops us from surrendering everything. We kind of say things like, you know, I'm, I'm, just, as, I'm just as good as the guy next guy. I'm no worse than the person, my next door neighbour or the guy at work. I, I, you know, I'm sure I've done a few things wrong, but I'm just the same as any other person. You know, I'm, of course God would look at me and say, I'm all right. It's fine. And what we kind of start to do is we start to tell God how he should think of us. And even though the Bible says that without him we're nothing and that those who have sinned have been cut off from God and that those, you know, that all of us are in that state and we all need Jesus, we start to say, God, but surely I'm okay and I don't need you. I'm, I'm all right. And what we kind of start doing is start to tell God how he should think of us and how he should treat us. And what we're in effect doing is becoming God's ourselves in our own minds. We're kind of telling God what he should do. And this is not new. In fact, right at the very start of the Bible, in Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve were in the garden and the serpent came. And look what it says, Genesis 3 verses 4 and 5. You will surely not die, the serpent said to the woman about eating the fruit. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The serpent, Satan, comes in the garden and says, if you eat that fruit, you'll be like God. Isn't that attractive? Because we want to believe that we can be like God. I mean, we want to believe that we are in control of everything and we can control our lives. And we kind of, when we think logically about that, we know that's not true. But emotionally, we act completely different. You know, when someone else comes along who's got more gifts than we have, better skills than us, more money than us, a better job, bigger house, more success, we get jealous, we get upset. We get frustrated as they know well, that shouldn't be like it is. And we get, uh, when we find that we face something like sickness or illness, we start to get angry and blame God and we start to get frustrated. And when our lives, where we're trying to cope with all the stress and the challenges that we face in our life, we think we should be able to hold it together and we can't, we realise that we're actually not God. And we can't do it all alone. 
and we need help. We tend to think and act like we are God and our pride stops us from recognising our need for him. This is what A.W. Towser said. The reason why many are still troubled, still seeking, still making little forward progress is because they haven't yet come to the end of themselves. We're still trying to give orders and interfering with God's work in us. In a country like Australia, in a town like Wodonga and Albury, we have so much and many of us have not come to the end of ourselves yet. And so we're telling God how he should act, what he should do. And it's stopping us from surrendering 100% to him. But one who's surrendered 100% has given everything over to God and say, just as I am, take all that I am. When we find that we face sickness or suffering, we don't blame God. We say, God, there's some purpose in this. Would you help me grow? Would you help me learn through this as I trust in you through it? When we face difficulty, a loss of a job, a challenge relationally, instead of getting angry and trying to solve it all ourselves, we actually surrender it over to God and say, God, there must be something you're trying to teach me, patience. Maybe you're trying to teach me trust. We give ourselves over to him completely. Two things Stop us from coming to God. Fear, it seems. And our inability to admit our own limitations. As we are about to witness these baptisms this morning, would you keep an open heart to surrendering everything to God? And giving him all that you have so we can see his great work in your life through whatever you face. We're going to sing together. Now, you three guys are here. I've just got something I'd love to give you, just um, a certificate so we can just say congratulations. So why don't you just come forward for a moment. Great. Well done. That was inspirational, wasn't it? Seeing you all being baptised and hearing your testimony. Great. And Heather, here's a certificate for you. Miranda, here's a certificate for you as well. And Chad. Thanks. Hey, God bless you guys as you continue to live for him in everything that you do. Great. Good on you. What an appropriate response. What an appropriate response to God's love and to his forgiveness to surrender in the waters of baptism. Dying to self and rising again. 
surrendering 100%. Yeah. For those of us who may still be feeling, it's true. The limit, you know, admitting my limitations is a real struggle for me. And admitting the fear that is there and overcoming that. I want to just explain to you that God, how has he responded to your sort of saying, God, you know, it's okay, I'm just like everyone else and I know you're going to, you should treat me this way, you should treat me. How's he responded to us trying to sort of be our own gods, you know, to trying to say that we are God and telling God what he can, you know, what he should do and how he should treat us and, you know, trying to have that discussion. What's God's response? What's God's response to our fear? Well, God has actedly, acted decisively in history. What he did is he sent his own son. God came in the flesh. Jesus walked this earth. If we were alive at the time, we could have seen him, heard his voice, listened to his teaching, seen his healings. God came to earth. Jesus came. And God allowed his own son, Jesus, to be persecuted, spat at, mocked. And finally, he was crucified, put to death. The Bible clearly says that the very reason he did that was not for the good guys, not for the ones that have never sinned, It was not for the ones who even think they're all right. He did it for people who are willing to admit their limitations. And those who would realise that God's action of dying on the cross was in our place. And it was from the very heart of the Father's love for you and I. So for all our saying, God, this is what you should do and what we can do and this is it. God sent his son to die so that you can be forgiven for thinking you're God. And for all the times you've hurt others or got angry or jealous or frustrated, Jesus paid the price for that. If you will admit your limitations and thank him for dying in your place. And all the time when you've got sick and blamed God and said it's your fault, never again, I'm not coming back, I'm not going to that church, I'm not doing this anymore, every time. Jesus took your penalty and your place if you will just surrender, recognising your limitations. And so because he's done all of that, I want to encourage you to jump the hurdle of your fear because of God's love. His love that is perfect and drives out all fear. If he loved you enough to die for you, why don't you take a leap of faith and trust in him? Jesus won't force you. You need to put your trust and faith in him. All you need to do is actually make a decision. And yet so often we think, oh, I I don't know, I'm not sure, maybe I'll... 
You know, when we were in the Gold Coast, we, we actually heard that the Indy 500 was on. And we, someone said to us, look, if you're going up to SeaWorld, I wouldn't go up the main road there, you know, it's going to be really busy. And, you know, I didn't admit my limitations. I know better than jolly worrying about some Indy 500. So we all got in the car, big excitement, we're going to SeaWorld, you know, all everyone bubbling, and then we ended up getting along the coast towards surface paradise, and it just was gridlocked. Then it got to the time when SeaWorld was opening and we had hardly moved anywhere. And I've ne never seen a car turn from joy to sourness in such a quick time. And you know what? We didn't even reach our destination. You know why? We'd chosen the wrong road. We'd listened to the wrong advice. We were still in the car at 11 o'clock and we decided we'd get out at surface and spend the day there. And the next day we took the right advice and we got to our destination. I want to tell you just as clear as I can. God hasn't got you here by mistake this morning. He wanted you to hear that there is a road to take that leads to a destination. And all that might be stopping you is fear and your own difficulty in admitting that you need God. And I want to just tell you today, God is wanting to tell you that he loves you and that can outdo your fear and that he's died on the cross. He sent his son to die for you and that can make you realise that just by surrendering to him everything, you can admit that you don't have it all but that God does and by trusting in him, he will give you the strength to face each day. What does that decision make? What, what does it mean to reach that destination? Well, the destination is that we spend eternity with God, that if he was to take, if we were to die any time, we would go straight to be with him forever. And that's a great destination. But, you know, part of the joy of following God is the journey. Because right now, those who surrender 100% and give everything to him by trusting in Jesus Christ and letting go of their own right to control their lives, and giving it to God. He offers peace. Perfect peace. The Bible said God will give perfect peace to those whose minds are set on him. Not only does he give peace, but he gives us freedom. The Bible says if the Son shall set you free, you shall be free indeed. You'll live the life that he's called you and created you to live for. Uh, not only will you find peace, and not only will you find freedom, but you'll also experience God's power at work in your life each and every day as you surrender to him every day. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So things that you might have been finding were habits that tripped you up. In, in Jesus, with Jesus' strength, with God's power at work in your life, you can overcome. And you know what you find? Those who've surrendered their life to him are the ones that God chooses to use. He can use people totally surrendered to him. 
He can't use people that say, God, okay, I'll give you this, but not that. Not. So a surrendered life is one that can do great things in God's hands. Your life, totally surrendered, can make a difference. This morning as we close, I just want you to take the blue card that's in your uh, news sheet this morning and you'll find that there on the top right-hand corner is just some decisions that you can make today. Um, there's just three things that I just want to ask, Mandy, if you just pass that up to me. And the first one is this. I'm receiving Jesus into my life for the first time. If that's what you're wanting to do for the very first time today, if in your heart you're saying, I want to give 100%, just as easy as you know how, just say, God, I'm giving you everything. Why don't you just do that in these next few moments? Just, just tick the box and in your heart say, God, have everything. I surrender everything. I give you all. Now, it could be that you have done that but you want to demonstrate that you've done that by being baptised. And you've seen three people be baptised today. And if, if today you've realised that I haven't publicly been baptised or I'd like to be baptised, why don't you take a moment just to say, yes, I want to be baptised, God. This is what I want to do. I want to take a stand and do that. And it could be today that some of you may even be people who are leaders here or maybe you're people who have been Christians for a long, long time but you you realise that surrender is something that happened a long time ago. And perhaps you haven't opened your Bible while you've been alone for many years. Perhaps the time when you've actually prayed to God was months ago. And you're realising that surrender is not just a one-time thing but a daily thing. And today you might want to say, I want to surrender my life afresh to you because I'm not trusting on the past. I want to surrender to you today. Maybe if that's what you want to do, why don't you just stick, I'm, I'm returning to the Lord. I'm giving him 100%. I'm returning to the Lord after wandering away. Why don't we take a moment to pray? at this time. God, we thank you for just the way you've been speaking to us this morning. And as we sit before you now, God, we don't want to be those that miss the call to surrender. Oh, we thank you that we don't have to work hard. Thank you that 100% doesn't mean that we've got to really try excruciatingly, but it's just letting go and allowing you, Jesus, to be in the driver's seat, leading our lives, making the decisions. And God, help us to surrender it all to you, not just now, but every day of our life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In a moment, our offering is going to be taken up. And we'd love you to just put the blue cards in. Even if you haven't responded, just to put them in today would be great. 
And um, we're going to give. What a great way to respond is just saying, I surrender all. God, uh, this giving is a symbol or a sign that, that you have everything in my life. And I'm giving it with joy and I'm giving it freely and I'm giving it because of all that you've given me and continue to give me. So we're going to sing and as we sing, we're going to give and we're going to say, I surrender, I come, I give you it all. So why don't we pray as we come to give? God, these are our gifts. These are our offerings. But God, this is our life. We give it to you 100%. We we let go of fear and we give you uh, our lives. We let go of our pride and we give you our lives. So have it all in Jesus' name. Amen.